0: find out how to stop procrastination from destroying your business on today's episode today's episode is brought to you by get response are you a small business owner professional blogger or marketing agency get response can help you connect with your audience in a meaningful way to see how get response can help your business and get your first month free go to servenomaster.com
1: backslash get are you tired of dealing with your boss do you feel underpaid and underappreciated? If you want to make it online, fire your boss, and start living your retirement dreams now, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to Serve No Master Podcast, where you'll learn how to open new revenue streams and make money while you sleep. Presented live from a tropical island in the South Pacific by best-selling author Jonathan Green. Now, here's your host.
0: I put together my first book for Amazon years ago. There were two years in between the completion of that book and my uploading it to Amazon. That two years of procrastination cost me thousands of dollars. That hesitation, that fear to put something out there, that skipping of a step, that laziness that we all get into, oh, I'll just do it later, or oh, I'm distracted, or oh, I've got something else going on. It wasn't totally fear. It wasn't always fear about getting it out there. Initially, I was afraid I would do it wrong. And then I simply forgot. Procrastination turns into failure. I noticed the book on my hard drive. I was cleaning up my hard drive. I go, oh, what's this file? And this has actually happened to me three or four times with other projects. Sometimes I write a book and I forget about it for different projects, but this was one for myself. It wasn't like a publisher or a partner pulled out or we went in a different direction or decided to do videos instead of book. This one, it was all me. And the procrastination cost me a huge amount of money. It's a really bad habit, but it's so easy to fall into procrastination. Ironically, I was just thinking about if I could push back recording this episode till tomorrow. I'm one day ahead with my recordings right now and I thought, oh, I'll just go to bed earlier, just relax and hang out and procrastinate on the episode about procrastination. The temptation is always there to not do what we need to do. It's something that is very common when we're children, but as we become adults, we need to take it head on and find out what's holding us back. I've worked in private coaching for nearly 10 years now in different sectors and different businesses and different industries. And the thing I've discovered is that there are people who take action and people who look for excuses. Unfortunately, most people, the majority of people look for excuses, which is why Only a small percentage of the population are leaders or innovators, and the rest of the population were followers. Many people would rather be an employee than a boss. I totally understand that. And part of that mindset, part of that desire to have someone else run the show is also the ability to procrastinate. We don't want to finish projects until right before they're due. We've all done it. We've all started the book report the day before the book's due. In fact, we start reading the book the day before the book report's due. When I look back on my educational career, I procrastinated a lot. I know that I can wait until the last few days before something and get it done. Rather than work on something for two hours a day for a month, I would rather just cram it into three or four days, and I'm still that way. I like to write books that way. The thought of writing a book over the course of a month, one or two hours a day, it's not how my mind works. I'd much rather stay totally focused for a very fixed period of time and just get it done as quickly as possible. One of the driving forces, the thing that causes us to procrastinate, is we're afraid to face our fears. We push back on projects. We hesitate on projects because we're afraid things will go wrong. We're afraid that if we put it out into the world, it'll turn out our work isn't good enough. It's a legitimate fear because sometimes we do fail. Sometimes things don't go well. I've had projects fail. I've written things that weren't very good. When I look back at things I wrote one, two, and three years ago, and I look at it and I go, wow, I was a terrible writer. I'm always becoming a better writer. My craft is refining. My approach is maturing. The way I write, everything about it is always getting better. That's really what we want, isn't it, though? Who wants to be exactly the same for the rest of their life? I became excellent at 20, and I stayed exactly as good as I was for the next 80 years. No, we want to always get better and improve. So, of course, when I look back, I see opportunity. If I wrote it again, and I do rewrites of old books sometimes, I could do so much better because my craft has improved my understanding of technique has improved. All of these things are very valuable. The fear is something that can become overwhelming. And sometimes bad things do happen in business. We don't want to put anything out there. We slowball the project long enough that there's no risk of us getting judged and no risk of us failing. I mentioned in yesterday's episode, in the previous episode, my website, my entire website crashing over the weekend. All I wanted to do was procrastinate. I thought about taking the day off. I thought, Why don't I just turn off the computer and walk away from this nightmare? The website, only part of it was broken, fortunately. I got so lucky. For a second, the entire podcast infrastructure crashed as well that I was able to bring that back up within just a few minutes. That only went down for five or six minutes. The entire membership site infrastructure, if it was down for one day, people would be upset, but only people that were logging in on a holiday weekend. Not too many people Only one person in the end emailed me about it and noticed it while it was down because it was only down for less than 12 hours. He emailed with a complaint. I found the problem and I began fixing it. Seven hours from when I knew the problem was there, it was fixed. I'd moved to another server. But I looked at the project. I thought it was going to cost me thousands of dollars and be a huge nightmare. And maybe my website was lost forever. I just had this small hope. I had a feeling that I was right and that it was the host. And switching to another company did fix everything. But... I didn't know until that seven hours later. Part of me just wanted to procrastinate and say, you know what? Maybe a few customers will be upset. They'll deal with it. I'll send them copies of the content a different way, and I'll deal with it tomorrow. I'll deal with it in a few days. It's too stressful to deal with right now. As I mentioned in the previous episode, my ritual helped me to get through that, relaxing myself. My blood pressure was up for a few days. I checked my blood pressure every day, and it was up for two or three days because I was so stressed out about this happening. I care so much about presentation that just one customer seeing my website not be its absolute best really upset me. I don't want anyone to have an inferior experience. I'm so obsessed with that because I want to be the absolute best. It haunted me. So, these fears we have sometimes they happen. We can get stopped by the fear of something bad happen, and sometimes when something bad happens, That's when we want to procrastinate. In both those situations, it seems so much easier to walk away from the problem than to deal with it head on. When you have a giant project in front of you, the size of the project is overwhelming. A week and a half ago, I realized that I needed to change my shopping cart company. The payment processor won't change. Just the shopping cart is going to change. Just the person who creates the checkout buttons on my website. Not the person who actually processes the money, but just the person who tracks the orders. I don't know why it has to be two different companies, but it does. I discovered last weekend, a week and a half ago, that they were deleting products without telling me. I pay them a monthly fee to generate these buttons. That's all they do for me. They generate the buttons, they make the checkout pages, they track the orders, they integrate with my other software, that's it. And they decided that if they didn't think one of my projects was serious enough, they would delete it without telling me. I only found out again when a customer sent me an email saying, this button's missing, why, why isn't the buy button working? I assumed it was a mistake with the company, turned out it wasn't. I have to change to another brand, it's so much work. The thought of doing that, just changing that part, copying over all my customer data, because if I change to another shopping cart, I have to change my membership integration software. So one problem became two. And it began to feel overwhelming. I decided it wasn't an emergency. I began slowly building up the new infrastructure. I started working with the new shopping cart the next day. I began setting up the new infrastructure that I needed to switch over. But to be honest with you, I did take it slow. It was overwhelming. I'm glad that I did because Sunday morning, a week later, everything had crashed. I had to change my host, had to change my software platform, my WordPress theme to be specific. I had to change my shopping cart and now my membership plugin. It's a huge, overwhelming project where I look at doing all of those things. How could I possibly handle doing it? It's probably going to take me 100 hours of programming to do it if I do it all myself. The way to deal with big projects, whether it's books or anything else I'm working on, I chop it up into pieces. So I do each one step, one little step at a time. I develop a plan. That's phase one. So my plan for saving my website, step one, move to a new host. I switch to a more expensive provider I switched to Traffic Planet, and I'll be honest with you, it's like driving a Ferrari. Price is much higher. It's $25 a month instead of $5 a month, but it's nice. I've been on a lot of servers in my life. I used to use a server that was over $200 a month. It wasn't worth it at all. Very disappointed with the experience. The websites kept getting slower, lots of technical problems. At first it was okay, but over time, as with many companies, they diminished in quality team I'm with now, I'm very happy with and I'm very excited that I switched. So step one, even though I was overwhelmed, I pushed back that fear of procrastination. I let go of that fear of failure and I chopped up into small pieces. I switched providers and I emailed them and had them move the website for me. I didn't even have to do that part. They handled everything. Their queue was seven hours long. I was at the back of the line. I knew before I switched, it would take them about seven hours. That was step one. I let them handle that. That was that whole day. That was it. Step two, Develop a plan for building a new membership site. I'm actually going to change my membership site in one phase and then the main website in a second phase. I don't want any changes to happen live. I don't want you as a customer to ever see a part of my website broken while it's in transition. Doing a hot swap is hard with a website because something always happens. One of the mistakes that I made, I don't know why I did it with this platform, it's a stupid mistake. I usually make one website that's the blog and another separate website in a subfolder that's the whole membership site. That way the two sites don't interact. And if one gets damaged, the other one's not hurt, and vice versa. But for some reason, when I built this platform, I didn't think about it. I don't know. I can't really explain it why I didn't do it separately. It didn't even cross my mind. Maybe it's because I haven't built a membership site in a few years, so I hadn't thought about it in a while. So now I'm building a brand new membership site on a separate platform. Step one: set up the membership site. Step two: buy the new software, the new software tools that I'm using, and it's Thrive Themes, which I talk about all the time. It's one of my sponsors, is one of the people that I mention how great they are often, and I've used some of their tools in the past. And now I'm switching over to a pure Thrive Themes setup. I'm leaving behind the old technology I use for a couple of reasons. The WordPress theme I'm using right now, one of the problems is the, they check to see if their software is stolen hundreds of times a day. They send the signal back to their home server. Not once a day, not once an hour. Every single time someone visits my website, they have to run a check on the license and it slows down how the site runs. That's one of the problems amongst many. And it's silly. You don't need to check hundreds of times a day if I get hundreds of visitors or thousands of times a day. So I knew I needed to change that platform and I'm switching over everything to Thrive Themes. My entire design, my entire membership site design. The next struggle is building that new membership site and making it look good the thought of moving over each little lesson and the video and all the downloads and all of those things, it's overwhelming. So instead of that, I broke it up into pieces. And in fact, I hired someone else to design the pages of the membership site, the home page, the top of a lesson page, a module page and a lesson page, those four things. And then to transfer everything over. I'm not sure if she's gonna be able to do the job. The person I hired immediately tried to import my old website, the very one I'm trying to leave behind into the new website. I sent, I'll be honest with you, a scathing email. It's not what the job was. It's not what I told you to do. So I don't know if the person's going to be able to do the job. But that's okay. I've broken it up into small pieces. I don't have to worry about everything falling apart. When you break it up into small pieces, you're just dealing with one task at a time. I'm not even worrying about moving the data back and forth. She shouldn't have been working on that because the initial project, this is why you set up a project with milestones, was simply the design. Until the new website looks amazing, I don't want to start adding data. And I don't want there to be any integration between the membership site and the old site. I want the new membership site to be Perfect. When you see it, and hopefully it'll be up in a couple of weeks, it's going to be so perfect. I'm close with the design. I was messing with design elements myself tonight. If I have to go in another direction, I'm going to hire someone else. I already know who I'm going to hire now that I understand the task a little bit better, but I'm just dealing with one piece at a time. And that's how we deal with each project. I talk about this with books a lot. The reason I love writing books via Scri- Scrivener is that it lets me break a book up into tiny, tiny pieces. Yes, my new book is 40,000 words but really it's hundreds of small little pieces. Well, I don't know if it's hundreds. It's at least a hundred small little sections. Some of the sections are only 300 words and some are a thousand words. Breaking it up into these little pieces makes it very manageable. I mention it all the time, that old saying, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Not that I've ever eaten an elephant. I don't know if they're delicious, but they're big. and It would take a really long time to eat one. You want to isolate the reason you're procrastinating. Is it fear of failure or is it fear of success? I've worked with people before who are afraid that success would change them. I went through that fear myself. At several phases of my life, when I was trying to improve different areas, I asked myself, will I stop being the same person? Will I become someone I don't like? I definitely, I'll tell you this right now, 18-year-old me would hate 35-year-old me. We wouldn't get along very well. We do have both impeccable taste in music, but I will say my taste, even though we like the exact same genre, we still listen to the same stuff, my taste has gotten a little bit better, a little tighter than what he used to listen to. But man, he would hate me because I've changed. Pretending you're not going to change as you age, much as you want to do it, you just can't live hard forever. You can't travel around the world, go into raves, go to clubs six nights a week. You can't do it forever. It just wears down on you, and it doesn't feel as much fun anymore. Hey, I still love going to festivals. I still love seeing some DJs. I still DJ myself. It's a big part of my life for a long time. The fear of success is something you have to look dead in the eye and say, why am I afraid I'm going to succeed? You're not going to change. Fear of success comes from the idea in the business world that money changes you, that money will have this power to alter your core personality, which is totally inaccurate. Money only magnifies who you already are. I knew people who were awful poor, and then when they made money, they were just as awful. I've never met anybody who was nice, poor, and became awful rich. That doesn't happen. Whatever's inside of you simply gets magnified by wealth. It doesn't get changed. Release that fear of success and you'll get closer to breaking through your desire to procrastinate. Another element of procrastination is the way we look at the future. As humans, one of our greatest struggles and the reason we have so many problems in our society is our inability to prioritize long-term, high-value goals over short-term pleasure goals. And this is in every category. This is why most people in America are overweight. I still overweight, still working on it, have lost a lot of weight, but I need to lose a lot more. I would say I'm at the midpoint, halfway to my goal. Sometimes I just want to eat something delicious. The short-term desire to taste something good is the reason we ignore the long-term goal. Now, obesity is the number one killer in America. I've been working on a lot of projects on health lately. A lot of books and things I work on in other niches are about the health space. And I can tell you this right now. It's the number one thing that takes people down. It can cut your life down by 30 or 40 years, really shorten your lifespan. Smoking and obesity, they're the two killers. I've read so many medical papers on it, and we look around us and everyone eats so unhealthy in our society, and now we're trying to shift into teaching this idea of body positivity and you shouldn't make fun of people for being fat. My problem with obesity, as someone who suffers from himself, has nothing to do with making people feel good or bad are saying that you can be attractive at any size. I don't care about any of those things. I care about the fact that it slashes your lifespan down by 30 or 40%, that it cuts down your quality of life, that you can't spend as much time with your kids. That's the stuff I think about. People are caught up in the wrong idea, telling everyone to feel good, even though they're double the weight they should be. It's horrible because then they don't live as long and they don't get to spend time with their kids. That's horrible. We're so caught up in the feeling of right now, the short-term feelings of, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Don't make someone feel bad for being overweight. As an overweight guy, I realize that's the wrong message. We're focused on short-term feeling good. And it's just as bad for healthy people. Where I live, wow, I watch people that have amazing opportunities screw it with procrastination. People come to my island. I live on straight-up Paradise Island. People come here from all over the world for epic surfing, amazing waves, amazing lifestyle, and they all end up leaving after a few months because they didn't work, they didn't work, they didn't work, and so their bank accounts are empty. All their plans fell apart because they spent all day surfing every day. Look, I, my problem is that I don't surf enough. Of all the people on the island, I'm the only one that has this, most people here surf three times a day. They spend six, seven hours a day in the water. So they have, what, two hours a day to work? And they don't do it. It costs them their opportunity to stay here forever. I only surf a couple times a week. I'm working on a project with my girlfriend to increase that so that I start surfing four or five times a week at least. I'd like to get up to seven. I really need to surf every day. Part of it is that the tide changes every day. So the time of day to surf is always shifting. It means there's no way for me to surf at the same time every day. So I can't build a schedule. It takes away, as I mentioned yesterday, as I mentioned in the previous episode, I can't build a ritual if it's not always at the same time. That's one of the things that we're adapting with. I always want to be real with you and tell you exactly what I'm going through. That's one of the challenges for me. But I see these people, they come here, they don't do their work. They don't put in any effort, even when there's opportunities before them or even when they get part-time jobs, they just put it off because they want to catch those waves again. And it feels so good. Surfing is amazing. I love surfing. I love being on the waves. I'm not any good. But man, when I catch that wave, it's a slice of paradise. People get caught up in that short-term pleasure. They don't think about the long-term benefit of putting in the work and suddenly they have to leave paradise. They don't get to surf anymore. They're gone. There are a few other techniques for dealing with procrastination. One of them is the Pomodoro technique. Other techniques are to set up people around you that will hold you accountable in different ways. Actively develop a plan to fight against your procrastination. One of my big ways, my big techniques is ritual. As I mentioned yesterday, it really helps me I was someone who really struggled with procrastination for a long time, and the ways I dealt with it were, number one, ritual, and number two, I diversify myself across projects. I probably take on more projects than I should. It allows me to work on different things all the time. If I don't want to work on something, I can work on something else. Today, I spent some time writing a new webinar for one of my other niches, one of my other spaces with one of my partners. We spent some time on the phone. I spent some time working on that because I didn't want to work on anything else. I didn't want to start editing another book. I actually have to start writing the next book for another sequence with another partner. The outline's already done, but I didn't want to jump from writing one book into writing the next. So I started working on this webinar that needs to be finished in the next two days anyways. Having several projects on the go is one of the things that helps me deal with procrastination. I don't recommend that exactly. What I recommend is you have several different parts of your business you can work on at the same time. The way to do that is have your blog post. If you start a podcast, have your podcast episodes, have your design elements of your website, have the book that you're writing, your next Amazon book, you're writing the next thing you're writing. Have a several different things you can work on in different areas, all about your sole business, and that will give you diversity of tasks. One day you work on writing, the next day you work on putting together some slides, the next day you're recording videos, the day after that you're working on a webinar, the next day you're writing a blog post. Have a myriad of tasks in front of you allows you to jump between different tasks that are of equal importance. I have a set of tasks in front of me and I'm constantly prioritizing them. So I push the most important ones to the front to allow me to fight procrastination. So even when I don't work on a project, I end up using my time productively. Don't let procrastination kill your business.
1: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Serve No Master. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss another episode. We'll be back next Tuesday with more tips and tactics on how to escape that rat race. Head over to servenomaster.com forward slash podcasts now for your chance to win a free copy of Jonathan's bestseller, Serve No Master. All you have to do is leave a five-star review of this podcast. See you Tuesday.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Serve No Master podcast. To find out how you can get a free copy of my new book, head over to servenomaster.com backslash podcasts right now.